Your kitchen floor is supposed to be forever, but this kitchen floor is far from it. Static testing on your sewer pipes? What's that all about? Black mold in the bathroom water. Are you sure that's what it is? And is a tankless water heater overkill for a 1,200 square foot manufactured home? All this and more on the super podcast of Texas Home Improvement. Here's Jim Dutton. Nancy, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. I have a problem kitchen floor. During COVID, I had uh, it laid with a what was supposed to be a forever plank flooring. I had problems with it. They came back out. They put it in looser, and it started becoming a problem within a few months. It is now warped and chipping and breaking up and... I want to know what I need to go back with because this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when you say it was a forever floor, what was it? I am not at home where I can see the name of it. It, it was supposed to be a forever floor. Okay. Um, plank type. Okay. Uh, you know, And I'm, I replaced rolled linoleum. Gotcha. Originally. And, and, you know, linoleum floors, they are almost a forever floor. They, they're they extremely durable. They're not super expensive. Uh, and, and a lot of the new planks have those same type of properties to them. Um, so I'm not real sure which one you got. But um, when you say it's chipping, uh, are, you, are you saying the surface of it itself is chipping? It is uh, coming up in heaps, and then with traffic, it's chipping, breaking uh, the the seams where it locks together. Gotcha. And where and becoming a real hazard. Yeah. So when it's where it's coming up, is it is it almost like the seams are tenting up where it'll get about a an inch higher, half inch higher than the. Uh, Middle of the it looks like it's bowed. Yep. And and it's heaved. Okay. And uh, some uh, there's one plank that has actually fallen down below where the others are because it was in a traffic area. Gotcha. Well, almost always, what that ends up being. It was an installation problem. Uh, these floors, when they're put in, require a gap all the way around because they expand and contract with the temperature and moisture changes. And when the installers don't adhere to that gap, and it, it, uh, some of them are a quarter inch, some of them are, are even a little bit more than that, and the floor expands, it hits the, the walls or something that's in between the wall and the flooring, It'll, it'll have to relieve that pressure somewhere, and that's when it'll pop up like that. So here's what I would tend to do. I understand that they put they originally installed it, and then about a, a year's time they came out and reinstalled it, giving it more gas. Right. Well, that don't mean they caught everything. And now though. it's horrible. Yeah. If it's a problem <laughs> with the flooring itself then you would contact the manufacturer and they would warrant it. 
And uh, truthfully, that's where I would start since you've had the installer out twice to do it. Let the manufacturer come out and see what they're doing wrong with it. And that will probably get your problem taken care of. Doesn't mean the manufacturer is going to warrant it, but if the floor is, you know, uh, the face is de defective and, and rubbing off and stuff like that, then the manufacturer would warrant it. But truthfully, what you're describing to me is 99% of the time an installation error. Well, it would be in, uh, a twice done installation problem. <laughs> yeah, and, and it very well could, could be, though. Okay. I didn't know because they didn't put anything underneath the concrete right. and the plank. It, it should have had that. Well, some of them do require an underlayment. Uh, some of them don't. In fact, some of them you got to watch uh, when you get them because some of them an underlayment would void the warranty. So uh, it, you, you always have to check what's required by the manufacturer to, okay. to maintain the warranty. I'm putting one down in my house right now if I had to that do requires it, no underlayment. Okay. If I had to do it on my dime again, what would you recommend me going to? Well, if you want something that is durable and you don't have to mess with a whole lot with, tile is extremely durable. Uh, now, if you want to go with the, the type of wood look that you're going for, they do make tile that looks just like wood, but uh, some of the floors like AquaGuard and and companies like that, um, they look gorgeous. They're easy to install. You just got to make sure you got that gap. Oh, I shopped really hard to find a plank that did not look like wood. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you want it to look like if, if it's a plank? Uh, I really wasn't sold on plank. I couldn't find rolled linoleum at the time. Ah. Um, seemed like everything was plank. I'll tell you, if you want to take a look uh, at rolled that I've had foundation and and uh, water leaks where mm -hmm. they've had to take up, you know, and, and work in my house. And I'm thinking my house has got minor movement that's causing the floor to, pro to be, present a problem. Movement in the found and understand, I own a foundation repair company. Movement in the in the the foundation should not cause the floor to pop like that. Okay. I did have the foundation people come back out, and I did have the water people come back out. Mm -hmm. That was not a problem at the time that they redid the floor. Right. And I don't think it'll be a problem this time either because, like I said, everything you described, it, it is a problem with the installation. Don, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, Jim. Hey, I was wondering if you could educate me on static testing. I'm, I'm I've heard of it, but I'm not really familiar with it. Just on, maybe you could explain that process. On your sewer pipes? Yes. Okay. Basically what a static test is, and, and the, the full-length name is hydrostatic test, but uh, we all just call it a static test. They plug the drain line where it exits the home, where, where the clean-out is outside, and fill the entire system with water and see if it holds. If it's leaking, you know, the water level will keep dropping until it gets to wherever the leak is. If it holds, uh, the water level should stay up, and basically it should be filled to the slab level. 
You don't want to go above slab level because then your wax rings on the toilet can leak. Uh, water can get up in the bathtub, stuff like that. So you're looking to get to slab level with the water is all. If you don't have a clean out, well, then they can pull a toilet, run a test ball up through to get to the outer wall of the home and fill it where the toilet was. And then you can see when you get to slab level that way as well. But basically, it's just looking for leaks in the, in the drain system. So how do you pinpoint it if, if the water level starts to drop where the leak is? Well, after that, uh, to pinpoint, that's, that's called an isolation test. And in doing that, you use test balls that are on long uh, tubes that you basically slide the test mm -hmm. ball in, pressure it up, fill uh, the, the section that's being blocked off, see if that's holding, and you just keep moving the test balls around, testing other sections to see where the leaks are and pinpoint them down. Uh, you also, in conjunction with that, use cameras to visually see that you're not getting water uh, flowing by the test ball, so you're getting false readings. You're looking to, to see if there's obvious uh, breaks in the lines or you know, if there's tree roots in the line, you know it's it's got a leak. Uh, I, I will tell you, a lot of times with cast iron pipes, you can't even run the cameras and the test balls and stuff because they're in such bad shape. Yeah, this, we've we've got PVC under the house. Oh yeah, so. if you if you got PVC, then okay. it, it's and just a matter of running running the cameras and, and the test balls to narrow it down to where the leaks are. And if I'm understanding you correctly, if there is a clean-out valve uh, that goes right to the septic from under that part of the house, then no one needs to necessarily be in the home to, to be able to conduct the, the, the original test, the static test. Is that correct? Most plumbers prefer if somebody's home because you never know if something goes bad and, you know, you don't want it to overflow in the house and there it sits for six hours waiting for somebody to get home from work. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Well, listen, I appreciate it very much. You bet. Don, you take care. Hal, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Yeah, Jim, I've got two bathrooms on one side of the house that for years, um, like a black mold kind of comes out of the water. So we just turned off the hot water and only use the cold water. And the other side of the house is fine. Three bathrooms work fine. Don't smell sulfur. You don't have the black sooty stuff. Um, and we do put pellets down the, the well, but uh, I went through the expense of having it drilled deeper. I had a new pump put in, and it's one side of the house is bad and one's good. Yeah, so, and, and honestly, it's not, it's not the well. Bleach down? Yeah. It, it's, well, it's, that's why I figured the pots are just somehow. Yeah. Have you got metal pipes? Empty nesters. There's no, you know, it doesn't get used much. Uh, you know what? From '79, I bet we do. Yeah, and I bet what you've got I, is I, I you don't got, really know for sure, but I, you probably have two dissimilar metals that are touching each other on those pipes, and where that's happening, uh, the, the the pipes will get an odor. Uh, it's not unusual for them to get a color because, like you said, you're not using the the water lines all the time, and so it kind of sits there and grows and festers and when you run the water for a little while, it probably cleans up. The odor goes away. 
but it's that dissimilar metal that's causing the problem. It just you know, you use it for a while. We use this, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, it just it caught up some pipe jump, and I don't know if they can kind of reverse, or you know, one guy said we'll put a five-gallon bucket of bleach water into the well and let it pump through the through the system, kind of clean it out. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, we've I, literally not used them in a couple of years because it's. Yeah, again, I don't think I don't think anything you do with the well is going to make any difference. It's it's going to be in the pipes itself. And so really what you'll have to do on that is follow the the line and see if you can find where there's two different types of metals where it's either copper and galvanized touching each other or something along that line that uh could could be causing the problem. Yeah, the one, we had one estimate of a guy that came out and said, "I'll just change the," he said, "I'll change the pipes because they go under the house." But he said, "I'll just run them through the attic," and I really hate to have that happen when you get zero degrees and they burst in your attic. So it was a pretty big expense to have them redone the pipes. Yeah, um, I, I tell you, for the situation that you're dealing with, there is a system out there. It's called uh, e-pipe, and basically what they do is they they e yeah, and they blow walnut shells through the pipes to basically sandblast and clean the pipes out, and then they go in with an epoxy coating, and that coating will keep the water from touching where those separate where those two different types of metals are and that would clear up your problem mm. they, they do that from the where the water comes out of the well uh, they, they would do it where the water goes into the house that where they would do the pipe yeah I go it, they what they do is they, they come oh. in and they remove oh. all the the uh, fixtures, you know, all the faucets and uh, toilet line hookups, all that kind of stuff comes off. They, they blow through the pipes to clean them out, and then they blow that epoxy resin that coats the inside of the pipe. And uh, like I say, then it's, then it's no longer the metal touching the water. It's, it's strictly that uh, epoxy coating touching it. So that would uh, that would coat the entire plumbing throughout all kitchen, bathrooms, everything. Yes, sir. Yep. I don't I don't see how that epoxy sticks. Is it expensive? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Not not even not well, even going to sugarcoat that. Uh, not even going to sugarcoat that at all. It, it it is it is expensive. <laughs> I mean, it it rivals the cost of replumbing the house, but you don't have all the damage from replumbing. Right. Yeah, that's. I was worried about that, and then they just said that they would be easier to replumb it through the attic, and I, that scares me when we get these cold weather vents. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, the the pipes can be insulated right. in the attic. I've got pipes in my attic, uh, so it, they can be insulated and protected. But uh, it, it is more susceptible to a problem when the pipes are in the attic. Alex, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Um, I got a question about tankless water heaters. Okay. And um, <clears throat> I got this tankless, electric tankless water heater at a yard sale. It's brand new in a box, never been used, but I think it might be overkill for uh, our 1,200 square foot 
manufactured home. And the reason I think it might be overkill is because it's the largest model this company makes, and it requires three 40-amp breakers to run it. And um, you have to have a 200-amp service, which I do. Um, and so I'm wondering if I should just, you know, I, I, I looked this unit up, and it's it's over $500 retail. We got it for 50 bucks, brand new in a box. I wonder if I should try to use it or if it's just going to be overkill for what it is. You will find and, uh, it. So it, it, it requires... It, the, the size of it really won't be an issue for you. I, I would rather you have larger than right. you need rather than smaller than you need. Uh, and is is gotcha. and since since it is electric and it's using the you know the forty amp breakers and all that, all the electric tankless are going to mm -hmm. use either three or four breakers that way. So, uh, oh, I, okay. I, I saw no. I if you want to go with the tankless that way, I would definitely go ahead and put it in what what brand is it do you know um it's a eco smart ever heard of those yes eco smart green energy products yep yeah and they make an eco 16 and 18 a 21 and a 24 and a 27 and this is the 27 some of the smaller models only use two 40 amp breakers but a couple of the larger models use a three amp three 40 amp breakers yeah, and, uh, so go, it pulls 112 amps. Yeah, go with the larger Good. model, and and here's why: when you get one that's a little s smaller, and you're running multiple right. fixtures at the same time, like say you got the washing machine going and you're trying to take a shower, instead of getting good hot sure. hot water, you're getting really warm uh, water. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, you know, this, it, it's a, it's a manufactured home and the, the existing water here is 22 years old. So I'm figuring it's probably at the end of its life. It's working fine, but there's only one 40 amp or whatever it is, the number eight or number six wire going from the panel, which is in the kitchen, 30 feet to the water heater. So that right. means I would have to have an electrician run two more wires. Correct. And is that going to be worth the, the trouble? I mean, the cost of having an electrician do that? Well, or should I just put a stick another uh, regular water heater in there? That would be something you'd have to decide. I mean, uh, uh, and the way you make that right. decision is, do you run out of hot water with the regular tank that you've got? Nope. There's only two of us. You will find it me way wife. cheaper to just go ahead and put another tank in than to, to switch over to tankless. The, the tankless water heaters themselves typically isn't the cost prohibitive part. It, it is the running the gas lines or, in your case, the electric lines that, that typically will kick it to cost prohibitive. Now, if the breaker panel is close, then it's not that expensive. But, uh, you know, if, yeah. you're, if you're not having a, a hot water issue, honestly, go back no. with the tank and be done with this. Okay. So you don't think in the long run the tankless unit here would save us money? I mean, so that it would pay for the having those extra wires ran over the course of the next five years or something? 
Uh, not in the next five, but probably the next 12. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, uh, maybe I'll just consider going back to an electric. There's no natural gas available out here. Yeah. So. Okay. Thanks for that information. I had an email question from Mike, and I kind of get this one a lot. Recently purchased a pier and beam house that has no insulation underneath. Seems to have plenty of airflow and sloping as the... Uh, after the recent storms, there's no water standing or even damp for that matter. My question is, what insulation would you recommend? Was thinking closed cell spray in. Can call if you'd like to discuss more options. Well, look, if you're going to insist on doing insulation under a crawl space home, I would use a closed cell foam insulation. And you really only need like maybe two inches or so. Don't cover the the floor joist up and stuff. Just spray it on there, coat it, that seals it and everything. But I typically prefer you just keep it open. Don't put any insulation there. Uh, the house is built to breathe. That's part of the breathing of it. And, you know, quite frankly, it's not going to make any difference on your energy bills. It might make a little difference on the comfort of the floor, but so will a, a nice pair of fuzzy slippers. So uh, there, there's my two cents on that. Thanks for joining us for the super podcast of Texas Home Improvement. Jim has lots more on YouTube, on the TV show, and at THIPro.com. Have a good one. We'll see you next time.